Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Love Redo Podcast, episode two. I think I think in episode one, did, didn't we call it the Redo Love? We did. Let's we okay. Did. Let's. <laughs> but given our, we have like three listeners, I think it's okay if we switch it up. In case our millions of <laughs> listeners are confused, yes, you're in the right place. Yes, you're with Flora and Aaron. And yes, we are going to talk about redoing love. This is the Love Redo podcast. By redo.love. Oh boy, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm lost. I know what you're talking about and I'm confused. But let's don't be. Let's It'll all jump. be in the show notes. Oh, perfect. Let's jump right back into it. Um uh, last episode, uh, we talked about a lot we we talked about what we're doing this podcast for we talked about attachment styles uh we touched mostly on the anxious attachment style and we're going to do a uh would you say a deep dive or like a like a shallow dive a medium dive i'd say a medium a medium a to medium deep dive, dive. Like, like, a deep dive. Foot, like a six but, foot dive, I mean, like a six foot dive like gonna, if we're gonna do it let's do it if we're gonna dive we let's dive Okay, do you want to do a quick recap of episode one? Um, so what we talked about a lot last week was anxious attachment, right? And right. so the anxiously attached person um, te- tends to have had inconsistent care in their youth. So their parents uh, were around sometimes and not all the time. So they did understand uh, love and attention, but they were always afraid that they wouldn't get it again. And so they take that into adulthood. Ultimately, they have abandonment issues. The, the, the core of their, um, their issues are abandonment issues, and they show up as a lack of self-worth in adulthood. Um, so they tend to be people pleasers. Um, they tend to be uh, clingy, needy, want a lot of attention, maybe jealous. Uh, it shows up like that. Um, then there's the avoidant attachment style, which is kids that didn't really uh, get care, proper care. They were probably neglected when they were young and, um, and or the whatever attention they were getting wasn't suitable for them. They couldn't deal with it. It was overwhelming maybe. So they, um, they completely detached. They like shut down their whole like emotional sides and um, mm-hmm. decided they were better on their own as kids. And these are the same people in adulthood who um, can't really stay in a relationship for any length of time. They do have needs and desires, but they don't, they are, have real difficulty connecting emotionally um, and or physically. So maybe these are people that are in long distance relationships. Maybe these are people that, you know, have relationships for two, three months, and then they break up. And the very interesting thing about um, avoidance as well is that they, they will typically say that um, there's somebody out there for me, right? Like they're always, there's like this ideal mm-hmm. somewhere, whether it's an yeah. ex or it's a, um, or they just believe that there's some special person out there in the world, but they will date tons of people or there will be tons of people that come through their sphere and they find something wrong with all of them. Of course. Okay. And then there's the secure people, which 
Uh, they're really boring. There's nothing wrong with them. And <laughs> they're, they're perfect. Find, find one and hold on to them. <laughs> that's right. That is, <laughs> that's the goal. And uh, then there's the disorganized, um, which is uh, the smallest percent of the population. But those are probably kids that were um, abused uh, pretty heavily in childhood. And they are a mix of anxious and avoidant. Oof. Okay. There so it is. So to our categories. All right. So we're going to cover definitely the anxious and the avoidant in probably an episode each. Um, and today, I don't know about the others, but today we're going to dive in to the anxious attachment style. So uh, what I did was I put together some notes because last week we did talk about the 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 book i guess the most the most famous um seminal work on this theory attachment theory and uh there's there's a, there's an assessment you can do in the book a self assessment mm-hmm. it's interesting that there's also a partner assessment uh which i've done with a partner and was fascinating eye opening stuff for both of us okay uh, but the self-assessment is a series of questions and they don't tell you uh, until the end. You, you answer like if, if you, um, you know, if you show up in a relationship like this, uh, answer A. If you show up like this, answer B. If you think this, answer C. And then at the end, it, it tells you, okay, whichever column like A, B, or C, you answered uh, with the most, then that's likely your your style of attachment. So I went through and collected all of the the questions that were for the the anxious type and uh i think it would be really cool to go through them and we can share some personal stories some matchmaking stories maybe and uh or at least as a dating coach and a matchmaker you can give uh the three people who were listening to this some some perspective (laughs) on uh on this on this style so um, so here we go. So the first one, uh, this is just ways that anxious attachment shows up in relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the type of person who will say, I often worry that my partner will stop loving me. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the core of that, right. Is abandonment, the same abandonment yeah. issues that they felt as kids where, Again, they were getting a little bit of attention, but then the attention mm-hmm. was gone for long periods of time or for periods of time they didn't know when it was coming back. So there was always this fear yeah. it was going to go. Yeah, and that, it's so interesting how that, how that carries through to adulthood. Uh, next one is, I fear that once someone gets to know the real me, he or she won't like who I am. So that like that feeds into the lack of self-worth, right? Because again, they're afraid that uh, um, they'll, again, ultimately it all comes down to abandonment stuff, but uh, they're afraid they're not good enough. I know personally, I've, I've felt this, like when, there were a lot of things when I was going through and doing this self-assessment and, re- and reading this book the first, the first time, uh, a lot of it just blew my mind. Why? Because, uh, just I, I had never felt, I think, so recognized or <laughs> so understood <seen>. before. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, seen. Oh, you see. But me. also that like validated, right? Like it like it's okay. Like it made it kind of okay. Absolutely. It it really helped me realize, oh, like I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. This is just how some people are. Um, now that's not to say that you can't try to, you know, change your attachment style or, or evolve to a more secure style. You mentioned that last week. Um, that's the hope. And that's the hope. I think that's, well, I think that, that, that is something I, I know that I'm in the process of doing. Um, so when a question like this comes along, you know, it's interesting. The perspective I have now is that until I learned to like myself and love myself and be fulfilled and complete as myself, I often had that fear that, you know, because I didn't like myself, I thought, well, if someone else gets to know the real me, like they're not going to like me either. Cause, uh, cause there's not, there's not a lot to, to like, Oh, and that's, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I think, you know, for me too, I, um, I have like a, a fear of, of stage fright, right? I've, I've told you this. I have stage fright. Oh, and a lot of that I, didn't know that. I told you that recently, I feel like. Or, or, or I remember, was it, was it public speaking? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, was that the I same, mean, thing? same, same. Thing. Okay. So, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, it's, it's a fear of being seen, you know, like really seen. And the one time I got on stage at like this group thing that I was doing, um, I cried. <laughs> oh my God. Really? You know, what's so interesting about that is because we, we both identify as like the, we call ourselves the anxious type, but I have the opposite of stage fright. Like I could, I, I, I could, I could, I, I'm so comfortable in front of, in front of people. I could get up and do this in front of tell. 500 <laughs> people right now and I wouldn't care. It wouldn't bother yeah. me at all. So I don't know if that, if maybe it's a different manifestation. It is. It shows up differently. Like, yeah. Like maybe it's like a validation thing. Like, you know, like it's, it's exactly. maybe it's like, I don't know, like uh, needing attention. I don't know. But right. um, I think the but, point there is that it, not everyone, even in one attachment style is, is going to, exhibit these characteristics in all the, the the exact same way right well not in the exact same way but they will exhibit the you know the questions that you're reading off they will exhibit most of those yeah. characteristics and i think that that came up for both of us when reading the book and when doing the self-assessment right that yeah. we really related to some of these things and understood that this is how we had been showing up in relationships and I, anybody who's anxiously attached will relate in that way Totally. But will it show uh, up differently? Yeah, sure. Like I have this, you know, this fear of being seen um, in that way. And you have, for you, it fills up this, uh, this thing of validation. Yeah. Being seen on a stage by a lot of people. And it yeah. makes sense both ways, quite frankly. Okay, next question. When I'm not involved in a relationship, I feel somewhat incomplete. I think it's the same as, as, as above that just uh, like same thing there. Like just, just needing to, 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 if you, if you, if you aren't satisfied with yourself, 
you kind of go like, I think that, that, that famous line from Jerry Maguire where, where Tom Cruise says to Renee Zellweger, you complete me. And when that, you know, when that movie uh, was at the height of its popularity, that, I mean, that's still a famous line, right? but it's totally, totally backwards. It's totally mm-hmm. backwards. And that's, uh, that, that's, that's a, that's a love redo moment right there we need like we need like a little a little chime or like a zinger or something right there that's like this is a love redo redo thinking that someone else will complete you because that's just not the way it's supposed to work it can't work that way if you don't feel complete inside yourself there's no amount of people that will make you feel complete really they might make you feel complete in the short term right? You might feel good while they're around, but as soon as they leave, you're still left with the same problems. Yep. So there's no, you know, there's, you can't be completed by another person. And often when we go into a relationship seeking that completion out, the relationship fails, you know? Do you ever come across that when you're talking with clients in matchmaking? Like, can you ever, can you ever sense that? Or do people ever say that that's what they're looking for? Or, um, if, if that well, ever comes up. It, it, it's interesting now because I, it's very easy for me to tell if somebody somebody's attachment style, almost within, you know, a few minutes of having a conversation with them. Really? Um, yeah. Um, not, not always. I mean, you know, I'm not a, a, a palm reader, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, but there are a few cues and signs. Um, recently, I had this conversation. I sent this woman out on a date. Um, she's super successful, um, you know, good looking. She went out with this guy who was uh, very successful as well. He'd gone to Harvard. He um, was also, you know, successful and tall and broad and all the things you, you know, you kind of like want in a man. She came back from the date. I was excited because he was hot basically. And yeah. I couldn't wait to hear what she had to say about it. And uh, she came back from the date. But when I spoke to him on the phone, this is important to say, when I spoke to him, when I was interviewing him, I could tell he was avoidant. Okay. I could tell mm. from the way that he was talking. I could tell from the way that he was interacting. I could yep. tell you know, kind of like the shortness of his responses. He wasn't completely there with me on the call. Um, And I sent her out with him anyway, because he was hot, basically. Um, And when... uh, (laughs) Hotness conquers all. In in a different context, the difference between creepiness and not creepiness is how hot you are. So anyway, they go out, she comes back and she's like, well, you know, he didn't ask me a lot of questions. He talked about himself a lot. He um, didn't, you know, walk me to my car and this and that. She's, and I was like, oh, all right, well, I get, I totally get it. And I'm, you know, just waiting for her to like say, okay, next one. And she's like, but I'd go on another date with him. And I was like, what? I'm like, you didn't say one positive thing about him. Why would you hmm. go? on another date with him. I don't understand. She's like, I don't know, you know, maybe whatever, like maybe we could try it out. Maybe we can, you know, make it casual. So Mm. very clearly for me, she's anxiously attached because she'd rather have something than nothing. Yeah. Right. And so when you're anxiously attached, you seek out any sort of 
any sort of um, relationship rather than being alone. You will take something not so great, something that does not meet your needs, qualifications, your standards, just in order to have the comfort of another human. Hmm. Very interesting. Okay, next. When my partner is away, I feel they might become interested in someone else. There's that like jealousy part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that shows up uh, later in, in one of the, the notes here. Um, next, when I show my partner how I truly feel, I fear they won't feel the same way. And again, this is part of like being secure and feeling that a sense of security that one, if I say it, they'll respect it and, you know, communicate about it and, you know, uh, hopefully feel the same way. But if not, it's okay because I can still have my own feelings and I'm validating myself in my own feelings. And if they don't feel the same way, then we'll take whatever steps are necessary from there. But it doesn't matter. Like I'm secure enough to lose this person from my life because my feelings are, you know, what's important to me. Right. But anxiously attached people don't feel that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, Next one. I found this true for me, especially. Uh, I think about my relationships a lot. I find that true about myself too. It's very <laughs> annoying. Like really annoying. No, it's like, it's, it's the one thing that I, like if I could change anything, I would change that because it's, uh, it like, it's like a plague on my brain. Yeah, I know. I, I just, I just can think back to experiences of, of just constantly thinking like, um, you know, being, being in a relationship with someone and thinking like, what are they doing? Is everything okay between us? Like for no reason, just like, you know, like we're okay. Right. Like things are, (laughs) things are good. Like, like what's going to go, what's going to go wrong? Cause everything is fine. Or just like, if, if things are not going fine, being like, okay, how can I fix this? What do I need to change? Um, I don't remember, I don't remember if this, if this comes up um, specifically in the book, but I think they talk about it at some point with that. That's a, that's a characteristic of the anxious style is that you blame, you have to blame yourself and you see yourself, uh, as, as the cause, because I guess it just comes back to the, the self-worth like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to add when you were saying that, that like, especially when you don't speak to the person for like half a day or a day or some length of time, that isn't normal. Mm-hmm. That's when the, the, you know, your brain starts running, like it starts working. It's like, uh, what's going on? Something's wrong. And so what I want to say about it though, that's interesting too, is the po- like positive and negative side of it is that the anxious partner is so attuned to their, to their partner that like a, a blink of an eye will let that anxious person know that something's not right, that this person's about to leave, that this person's angry, that, you know, they can set, they have like intuition, like it's nobody's business, you know? That actually is one of the the questions in here that I, that I made some notes on. So 
Uh-huh. Do you want to, do you want to, uh, we can yeah, jump, let's to, that jump one. into that one. Sure. Okay. So, uh, that one is, uh, I'm very sensitive to my partner's moods. Yeah. And that's, that's the question that you answer in the assessment. And then they have uh-huh. some notes on that later on that I wrote down for this one specifically. Uh-huh. Uh, cause I've seen this for myself, um, okay. totally. Mm-hmm. And it says you tend to be very sensitive to small fluctuations in your partner's moods and actions. And although your senses are often accurate, thank you, uh, (laughs) you take your partner's behaviors too personally. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Spot on. (laughs) Have you had secure relationships or secure attachments where you notice the difference between an insecure attachment and a secure attachment, like with a friend, like a partner. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've noticed it both in the other person and in myself. Like, I don't think I was, uh, I think I would, I would label my label myself more as the anxious type now, but haven't Mm -hmm. always been. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I think I'm also starting to get away from it and go, go back to the, the more secure type. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've, I've noticed the difference, uh, both ways. So you've, you've felt like, you know what it feels like to feel less anxious in a relationship, um, mm-hmm. and not have those worries and concerns like constantly. And mm-hmm. so this might be a good time to talk about the anxious avoidant mess let's call it. So part of the part. So if you're in a relationship anxious or avoidant or whatever, if you're in a relationship with a secure person, you tend to not be as anxious. It doesn't bring out the extreme of anxious attachment. It doesn't bring out the extreme of avoidant attachment because secure partners are, um, are secure. So with, I think I said this last time, but just to repeat, with anxiously attached people, they understand that they need more attention. They're secure enough to give it to them and it's not a problem. With avoidant um, people, they understand the avoidant needs more space and they're happy to give it to them because again, they're secure enough in themselves to hold the space that anybody, you know, that either person needs. Um, and most important, what is really important about um, secure people is they understand inherently that they have a responsibility for their partners. That's kind of like the definition of secure. Hmm. They, they have a responsibility towards their partner and they're happy to, you know, to have that responsibility and take that responsibility. Um, the thing that happens a lot is that the anxious attached style gets together with the avoidant attached style. And that's Uh, where both of these types, their extremes, um, their extremes of this attachment style uh, come to light. They kind of feed off of each other and bring out the most extreme of each type. Exactly. And they do that, right? Because, (laughs) well, I want to hear more about that in a second. Um, They do that because the anxious, person grew up with irregular attention. Mm -hmm. So when the avoidant person comes in, giving them attention, creating the sense of excitement, and then leaves, 
and isn't attentive to them, it reminds them of the care that they got subconsciously. Now, that's really important. It subconsciously reminds them of the care that they got in childhood. And the familiarity of that is like, you know, it draws them in. It is a complete, it's completely and totally intoxicating because it's on a subconscious level. And this is why anxious people tend to like unavailable people. And they don't know why. Because it's, because it's comfortable subconsciously. It's it's subconsciously. Exactly. It's comfortable and it's familiar. And and they think that if they can get attention, like, like regular attention from this person, then they can fix, again, subconsciously, they can fix their childhood issues. Ah, interesting. And it's the same in reverse for the avoidant. How so? The avoidant tends to fall for but not be able to meet the needs of the anxious person for the same reasons because they experience this kind of hectic probably probably like this hectic care as a child that they had to push away from um because it was too it was too much uh Mm. you know maybe their their i don't know their mom had some sort of disorder or something that she was like overly into that, you know, on top of them for whatever reason. Um, they, but they've, you know, shut down their emotional, their emotional centers basically. And they like, they need attention. They want attention like as humans, right. Cause we all do and we all need that. Um, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not capable of accepting it or giving it. So, so as soon as it gets close, they're like, uh, uh, all right, chill. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, I need space. I need space. I got to go. Back it up. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I had a a crazy anxious avoidant relationship um, when I first got divorced, like crazy. And I had no idea (laughs) what was going on. And I was the epitome of anxious and he was the epitome of avoidant. Um, So this was how long ago? Four years ago? Yeah, I got divorced. Or yeah, yeah, it was probably around like four years ago, but it lasted yeah. a really long time because what it also, this is called a lot of times is a trauma bond, right? Mm-hmm. So you're basically matching with somebody um, off of your childhood trauma, your subconsciouses are matching up together. Like ultimately, really, we had nothing in common. We had nothing... We, there was no reason for us to be together outside of this weird subconscious like need and desire to be together. Interesting. Yeah. So just to say how it shows up, right? Yeah. It would show up in things like um, he would not, uh, I would text him and he wouldn't text me back until he felt like it. And that yep. could be three hours or four days. And then when I would be like, what the like what the fuck like what where have you been he'd be like what's what's wrong i don't get it like (laughs) why why are you all upset you know yeah and it didn't matter how upset i got 
Um, it didn't, and I got upset because at the time I didn't understand any, you know, anything, right. I just was very needy. I really wanted like love and attention. We, I thought we were bonded, right. We were, I mean, we, we really were. Um, and when he was with me, he was loving and he was attentive and it was like everything Mm -hmm. I could ask for. But the second he would leave, it was his rules and however he wanted to, you know, pay attention to me. And I either had to play along or, you know? Yeah. 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 So obviously that did not work out. No, but it took a while. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it wasn't, it wasn't easy to go separate ways, but a lot of lessons learned. I'm sure. So we skipped, we skipped ahead to get to the, um, the juice. like you said, being, being, being very sensitive to your, your partner's moods and, uh, and being uh, correct in being attuned to uh, small fluctuations in, the, in their moods, but yeah. taking it too personally. So we, we covered that. Uh, before that was, um, I tend to get very quickly attached to a romantic partner. And again, guilty there. Uh, okay, so we finished. We finished the list. Those are all the assessment questions to to determine, uh, or that that tell you if you answer, uh, you know, in the affirmative to those, then most you're those. most likely yeah. most of those. Then you're most likely uh, an anxious uh, attacher, attacher, attaché. No. Um, nope. Okay. Then they have some some kind of uh, some some wrap up notes as well for this. Like if you know, it's like if you identify as this attachment style, here are some more things about you. And it says, uh, during a conflict, I tend to impulsively say uh, or do things I later regret, rather than being able to reason about things. Okay. Uh, another one is I worry that I'm not attractive enough. Um, if I notice I someone, <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, by the way, this zoom, zoom is very slimming on you. I should just, I should just say, if I notice someone I'm interested in is checking out other people, it makes me feel depressed. Uh, next, if someone yeah. I've been dating have begins, you, have uh, you felt like that? Have you noticed that? Has that happened to you? I wouldn't say de- maybe depressed, but I would definitely say more jealous. Okay. Absolutely. What about you? Um, it's funny. It's only, it's very interesting because it is only when I'm anxiously attached. When I'm in a secure relationship, I can joke about it. I'm fine about it, you know, mm-hmm. but I, ha- I do notice um, that when I'm anxiously attached, when I'm insecure about the other person's feelings towards me, that's when, uh, it doesn't mm. depress me also. It, you know, makes me jealous, makes me feel insecure. Yeah. yeah. Um, next one is if someone I've been dating begins to act cold and distant, I worry that I've, I've done something wrong. Is that, uh, and you smiled. <laughs> Seems like there's a story behind that. Oh, I mean, I can probably think of a thousand stories behind that, but uh, we did we did touch on that uh, a brief second ago 
about, um, you know, the, the anxious attachment type blaming themselves mm-hmm. or when something is off or, or like when a fight happens. Um, yeah, I've definitely uh, thought like that in the past in relationships for sure. And the last one is if my partner was to break up with me, I'd try my best to, this one's interesting. I'd try my best to show them what they're missing. A little jealousy can't hurt. Have you played that game? You know, it's funny because let's be honest, it is a game. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I would say, I would, I, would, I would say probably guilty of that too. You know, uh, you move on after something and then I think, I think, I think Instagram is probably the weapon of choice for most people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, uh, the after, the after breakup glow up or whatever you want to call it, where you're, you're just living, suddenly you're living your best life and, uh, you're out having so much fun and you're doing all these cool things and like, you're very public about it. It's like. Uh, I think it can be an inappropriate coping mechanism. It's funny. It's funny that you say that though, because I also think that my Instagram kind of reflects my uh, level of security or level of uh, self-worth. I think like over the years when I was first uh, divorced, um, mm-hmm. it was a little more showy, a little more thirst trappy, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more thirsty. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't, Um, I I would say that that's not wrong. I wouldn't disagree. About my Instagram? Right. (laughs) Specifically. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. And now it's a little bit, you know, uh, it's a little bit less of that. So it's interesting to feel free to look at my Instagram, everybody. (laughs) Do you want to give yourself a plug? What's, what's your, what's your Insta handle? Uh, Well, that my personal one is at Flora's Rose. Uh, but the I mean if uh, anyone follows the redo love on Instagram that's in which oh we should be plugging that not that's you extremely secure <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the official Instagram handle of the the podcast redo here? brand it's yeah the redo podcast and at redo.love redo.love on Instagram yeah r-e-d-o dot love l-o-v-e Give it a follow, like everything, and share it with all your friends. Okay, and wrap same up. Same for Let's, the podcast, by the way. Same. Oh yes, same for the podcast, of course. Um, let's recap uh, with let's 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 wrap up with the um, the kind of assessment I guess they give of the the anxious type, and then we'll uh, we'll close episode here. So it says. Uh, as an as an anxious attachment uh, person in a relationship, you love to be very close to your romantic partner and have great capacity for intimacy. Check. Uh, you often fear, however, that your partner does not wish to be as close as you would like them to be. Check. Uh, relationships tend to consume a large part of your emotional energy. Check. Too many checks. <laughs> yeah. Um, you experience a lot of negative emotions within the relationship and get easily upset. 
As a result, you tend to act out and say things you later regret. If the other person provides a lot of security and reassurance, however, and you mentioned this, like if you're in a, a more secure uh, relationship or, or in a relationship with a more secure person, you are able to shed much of your preoccupation and feel contented. And I think what's important also to say for really wrapping this up about the, attack, uh, the anxiously attached person is like coping mechanisms and things that they can do to um, move towards secure um, is that they really need to spend some time alone. And it's kind of the scariest thing um, for the anxious attached person, mm -hmm. but it's also the best thing for the anxious attached person. It's really finding worth within and understanding that that worth is not gonna come from somebody else. And noticing every time you're seeking validation outside of yourself, whether it's on Instagram or whether it's through the dating apps, like talking to people or whether it's um, you know just trying to, Mm -hmm. to kind of check in with some person that you know you're not really that into but they're give, they're you know feeding that side of you um, uh -huh. it's kind of being cognizant of that and like recognizing that and um, being aware and really just trying to fill your own cup because no matter how it it seems it, it nobody else will ever fill your cup you know it's just not gonna happen or it's not gonna happen it, it's never gonna be enough that's the message for episode two is fill your own damn cup. There you go. Love it. All right. Uh, episode three. Next time, are we going to talk about the avoidant style? And I think we can dive back into the, the avoidant anxious uh, relationship dynamic, maybe yeah. from the other side, but, but revisit that. And maybe we should have an that. avoidant on. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I, I know one if, if we need one, but I don't think they would want to uh, come on uh, the podcast. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no. uh, they don't uh, like to be exposed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Flora, let's sign off. Bye. This is great. Bye. <laughs>